This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Jody. And the author is Joanna Bradshaw, and Joanna joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Joanna. Hi, everybody. Good to have you with us. Well, this is quite a story. It's your story, because Jody is your nickname that you've lived with all your life, given to you by your brother who couldn't say Joanna, right? That's correct, my twin. Your twin. This is what you wrote about... Introducing your book in a general way to a friend or neighbor, you say Jody is a truly American story of a woman who broke through the glass ceiling and rose to the top of her profession against staggering odds. It is the unvarnished story of the quiet joys, the vaulting triumphs, and the naked failures, and the wonderful memories visited upon this unique personality. And of course, you had a 45-year retail career and you were at the top of legendary retail stores like Bloomingdale's and Macy's. So I guess you can say you had it all. And I had a really good time. Well, tell us why you wrote the book. It's one thing to live this life, another thing to publish a book. Why did you do it? Well, you know, I wish I had a really good answer for that. Uh, it's just for as long, as long as I can remember, I always wanted to write the book. And I actually had started another book, which I was writing uh, for the independent retailers uh, to help them compete with the larger chains, when I decided that the book that I always wanted to write, Jody, would be a lot more fun. So I stopped writing uh, Retail 201, which is the name of the retail book, and I began writing Jody, and I worked on it for a year and finished it and had a good time doing it. Well, it's always great to read about others who have pushed the... You know, the envelope, as they say, uh, just stepped out of their comfort zone and went after their careers in a very aggressive way. I guess that's what we could say sums up your life. I, I, I think that's probably so. That's a good summation. And, and it's an example to others. It can be an example to other women, other men. We can always learn from someone else. Well, that's true. I certainly have. And I think the one thing that um, comes across in my story is that, uh, you know, really anything is possible. Anything is possible in the United States if you have just the courage to try and to follow your heart. And I hope that's the message that comes out of my book, because I didn't know that was the message that I wanted the book to say until I finished the book. And I said, well, that's kind of what it says, and that's really what I feel. Well, it's a truly American story, really living the American dream, especially at a time when anything was possible, right? That's true. And I was the first uh, woman in just about every job I ever held. Well, that certainly was a pioneer. I'm sure you felt that pressure. But at the same time, I'm just talking to you uh, in just a, a few minutes before the interview. I could tell you were full of confidence, and you're the kind of person that probably uh, – was willing to be the pioneer. Well, yeah, because uh, it does take a little bit of extra something. I'm not sure. Maybe it's just stupidity, knocking <laughs> your head against a stone wall now and then. But, you know, there's opportunity out there, and you go for it, and you, 
Well, you do it the best you can do, and uh, you have uh, sometimes you succeed and sometimes you fail. But, uh, you know, if you keep getting up and uh, keep going at them, sooner or later you get there. But this is a attribute, a trait of your personality that you've had since just a little girl. Go back to six years old and you dreamed you could fly. Oh, well, that was one of the lowest points of my life. I was convinced I could fly. (laughs) You were convinced, huh? (laughs) <laughs> and, and we had this uh, beach house, and across from the beach house were these, you know, big, big high sand dunes. And so I told my two brothers one day, since I've been dreaming about this, that I was going to go and I was going to fly because I knew I could fly. So I must have been pretty convincing because uh, they came <laughs> over to the beach with me and uh, stood underneath me as I got to the top of the uh, sand dune and flapped my quote-unquote wings, which is no surprise. I didn't fly. I crashed down on my older brother, and uh, it was a <laughs> it was a pretty devastating moment when I found out at the age of six that I could not fly. When did you decide, or when did you discover that you had this passion for the retail business? Well, it was sort of uh, by chance. Uh, all my life, from the time I was a second in the second grade, I always wanted to be a lawyer. And uh, so I uh, went to Mount Holyoke, and uh, they didn't have a pre-law class per se, uh, so I majored in philosophy, which was the closest you could get to it. And I was uh, just about to put my papers in my senior year uh, into Harvard Law School, when all of a sudden I had the realization that in 1960, a woman would never be any more than the clerk of the works in law. And I went out on a really fast uh, sort of uh, investigatory uh, situation to try to find out where a woman in 1960 might have a chance. And it was a clear standout. There was really only one place that it really looked like she had a chance, which is retailing. So uh, that's the time I decided to enter retailing. And um, when I got there, I found out that it was the right place for me. Uh, I guess the bottom line is I was always in the merchandising end of it. And uh, for 40-some-odd, 45 years, I went around the world shopping. I mean, no woman can ask for more than that. <laughs> so I made, a real, I made a really good choice. I made a really good choice. Uh, the dream of every woman shopping around the world. You're not kidding, with an unlimited budget almost. Well, not unlimited, but certainly much more than you'd ever spend for yourself. (laughs) So go out and shop and bring back the goodies to display in Bloomingdale's and Macy's and other places. Absolutely, and believe me, I know what shopping until you drop means. (laughs) (laughs) What what, uh, years were you a top executive with these firms? Actually, I started at Bloomingdale's in 1960, and um, I continued for the next uh, 40, 45 years in retailing per se before, uh, before I started uh, my own um, consulting firm. And during that period, I just had successes from vice presidents to senior vice president to president, etc. So I just had uh, sort of a successive upward uh, situation. Now, you also had a crazy adventure to the head of the Amazon in Brazil. Oh, that was really, that was a crazy adventure. Uh, a friend of mine, and it was, it's sort of hard to explain that I was spending, uh, oh, a couple months a year running around the world, um, shopping for my various store responsibilities, but 
then once a year I would take a sort of an exotic vacation. So this friend of mine, actually an ex-roommate and I, went down to uh, South America and did a three-week trip in South America. And my twin brother had told me about this um, supposedly gorgeous opera house which had been built around 1890 at the at the top of the Amazon in Manaus. So um, we decided we better go see this. So uh, she and I took off um, on, a, on a flight to Manaus. And what we did not realize when we got onto the plane was that it was the airline's maiden voyage up the Amazon. So when we got there, there was only one decent hotel and every room was filled. Um, and so <laughs> we found this... I don't think you could even call it a hotel. We found this uh, this old building that was letting rooms, and on the, we got a room on the second floor, which faced out on the street, and um, there were no windows. There were just um, you know shutters that you pulled in, in if it rained. And we had just um, left Rio, where there had been some riots, and a couple of Americans had been killed. And uh, the whole scene up there was ghastly. There was no edible food. So we went to bed really early and waiting for our plane that was going to leave to take us out of there the next morning at 4 when uh, all of a sudden we were awakened and we looked out the window and there were all these men looking at our windows, staring up at our windows. And needless to say, we were terrified. But I'm not going to tell you what happened because I want people <laughs> to buy the book and read it. But but I'm here, so that You're you know here. it wasn't too bad. Yes, you are here, and you obviously escaped, if that's the word. We'll find out if, when we read the book. That's right. <laughs> tell us about when you realized that it was really going to be tough in a man's world when what was something what what could you tell us about that first discovery oh i tell you i would just not soon not go through to that um you know, I, I, that's not a positive situation, and I'm in a very positive mood. Uh, you know, um, you know the the you know when you got clobbered for not being a for not being a guy, and you know there are all those uh, incidences are reported in my book, but mm-hmm. uh, they're 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 the downer parts. They're not the upper parts. What? How long did it take you to break through? Well, actually, um, my first job at my first really big job at Bloomingdale's when I was um, uh, there a couple of years was was the only woman's quote unquote woman's job that I had that was a job that was reserved for women and it was fashion director for home furnishings. Um, and from there, I moved out into um, into buying furniture and uh for Bloomingdale's and there were no furniture women furniture buyers in the country that I know of at the time and I was about 24 at the time and from that point on uh every job that I had after that was a job that I was the first woman in now you had quite a just quite an experience when you hooked up with uh, a partner who was the former chairman of the Federated Department Stores, and you closed the deal of a lifetime. Yeah, that was pretty exciting. Um, We decided, it's sort of a long story, Um, I had done a a series of test stores for Federated Department Stores, and uh, they were lifestyle stores, 
and Federated had determined that they were going to take my stores and make a, a new division, a little division, um, a fledgling division, which I would run. But just at that point, Bob Campo, the famous um, Canadian financier, uh, took over the Federated chain and my test stores were eliminated uh, and Federated senior management left. And so the former um, president of Federated and I decided since my our little uh, fledgling operation was doomed and and nobody had any interest in it and was going was not going to go any further that uh, we would do it ourselves. So we put together a little company and we went out and we got uh, um, venture capital funding to start. Uh, this this new chain of, of category killer stores. And, um, you know, fr- from my standpoint, it was terribly exciting to be able to start something of this magnitude. And it was also very exciting that um, my partner should be somebody of such, uh, such repute and, uh, you know, such a, a famous character as uh, the former president of Federated Department Stores. So it was pretty exciting. Now, that's one last story. We have time for your first experience with, with what you call my first one-home-day sale. And it sounded like it was a bit uh, terrifying at the same time. <laughs> well, um, I was recently, I just recently joined Abraham and Strauss as uh, vice president of uh, half of the home division. And um, this was back in the days where uh, I guess A&S probably invented the first one-day sale. If if they didn't, they were very close. And twice a year, there would be a really great one-day sale for the home division and twice a year for the um, um, ready-to-wear division as well. And so this was my first home division sale, and I was coming out of my office and um, I I was walking across the floor, and before this I had been at uh, Bloomingdale's, which was a much more rarefied kind of a of an atmosphere. And certainly at that point they didn't have anything as exciting or as wild and woolly as a one day sale. And as I was walking across the floor, um, I I I just couldn't believe that the, the floor was so filled that you really couldn't even walk across it. And this woman saw me coming and she said to me why isn't this line moving I want to check out why is this line not moving and I said well ma'am you're not standing on a line you're standing sort of in the middle of just the people at the store in the store and at the same time I I looked across and I saw they had just brought um, a roller of new merchandise out on the floor and there were a ton of women customers who saw it coming and they tore over to get at it and they were so angry that they were tearing each other's clothes off. I mean, it was absolutely, it was bizarre. And at that moment, now remember, I'm a senior executive of the company. At that moment, I had the most overwhelming desire to go back into my office, get my A&S charge card, and start <laughs> shopping. <laughs> so I said, I'm in the right place. This store and I are going to make music together. And we did. Well, what a life. And as you say, almost anything is possible if you only have the courage to try and to follow your heart. And that's what you have done. And I've had, for the most part, a very good time doing it. Well, tell us how to get your book, Joanna. 
Well, the book is available through uh, authorhouse.com um, on the web. It's also available through any of the major um, uh, other web people like uh, Amazon.com, uh, and it's just called Jody by Joanna Bradshaw. Well, thank you, thank you for being on Author Talk. We really appreciate it. It was my pleasure, and I thank you so much. That was Joanna Bradshaw. She is the author of her book, Jody. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. It's the chance for you to hear firsthand from authors on why they write their books in their own words. It's called iUniverse Radio, hosted by Steve Jorgensen every Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 Central on TogiNet Radio. iUniverse Radio is brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company. iUniverse Radio, every Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 Central on TogiNet Radio. Radio with a cutting edge. What's your story? Are you living it? Well, you could be. It's What's Your Story with Hillary Bilbrey. Friday mornings at 10 Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Her passion is helping others discover, create, and live their personal brands. Yep, you heard me. You have a brand. No different than Coke, Pepsi, or Nike. You are a walking, talking, living, breathing brand. You're not a logo. You're not a tagline. The choices you make become the path you take. This is your brand. Now, live your story. Your brand is not just what you say it is. It's also what others say it is. So what are you communicating? And how can you create an authentic brand? We'll take on these challenges with What's Your Story? Every week, Hillary will feature teens, moms, and organizations that are learning and living their story. Now, her passion is to help others discover, create, and live their personal brands. To find out more, go to inspiredbyfamily.com. It's What's Your Story with Hillary Bilbrey. Friday mornings at 10 Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, Commercial Driver's License Pre-Trip Inspection Training Manual. A no-nonsense approach to passing the CDL pre-trip inspection on the first try. And the author is Robert C. Robinson, and Robert joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Robert. Good afternoon, sir. How are you today? Uh, very good. I didn't know if I was going to have enough breath to get through that whole title and the subtitle. <laughs> that covers a lot of territory. It's a mouthful. Yes. I'm going to read what you have written to make an introduction in general about your book. You say it this way, This book is quite possibly the first and only CDL training manual to use vivid full-color pictures of every component, everything needed to pass the CDL pre-trip inspection on the first try by using a logical and organized approach that has never failed. Well, that sounds like... What more could a person want? I had hoped to provide everything really needed to be said. I, I tried to encapsulate everything in that one, in, in, in that answer, what you, what you just read. And, and they are, uh, I, I think for anyone who's picked up a manual, I think it'll resonate most with those people. It, uh, for anyone who's, who's read a, a training manual, it almost always, in fact, to my knowledge, without exception, 
uh, training manuals. If they, if they bother to illustrate anything at all, it's uh, black and white sketches at best. They, they, the, the sketches lack clarity and detail. Oftentimes you can't tell what it is they're trying to illustrate. And the information is, is so unorganized that you just, you just feel inundated, even when, when it's very little information. It's just because there's no, no rhyme or reason to it. You just uh, you feel lost. And the most important part to take from that, I think, is, is that I've never, ever had a, a, student, so a, a student go back for a second attempt, ever. And while a book, I don't think a book is nearly uh, as effective as a hands-on, one-in-one, uh, one-on-one or two-on-one with an instructor, it, it was meant to, it was meant to replace me or or any instructor uh, to the to the greatest extent possible. Well, you've been a trainer for over 15 years, and you've been around trucking and driving for 28 years, and you've. Like you say, you've logged a mile or two through those 28 years. So what you're saying to us is that there are really a lot of poor teachers out there, and even some of the old-timers don't know how to teach it very well, and you just saw a big need. I saw a tremendous void, yes. I think, I think some, of, some of the trainers who, who could teach, they, 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 they know enough to teach. I, I don't know that their thought process and I, and I and I don't mean to pat myself on the back. I just don't think that most people are 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 organized enough in their thought process to convey that which needs to be conveyed and 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 to do it in in an organized fashion. So everyone has to face this CDL pre-trip inspection. There's no way around it. Uh, the only exception would be. If you uh, if if you were trucking before the uh, the CDL law came to be, and I think that was sometime around the the early to mid 80s, so at, at one point uh, some of the old timers were grandfathered in, but at anyone after after that that time that era, they would have had to have gone through the the toll, this toll booth, so to speak. Even if you're mechanically inclined or an expert driver, that is, that's not a guarantee that you're going to pass this. No, in fact, it's, it's been my experience that those are usually the ones who fail first. They, uh, they, they just take it for granted. They've grown up on the farm, and, and, and they know the truck. Don't get me wrong. They, 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 they know the truck uh, mechanically. They, they, they drive it, drive the wheels off of it, but they don't know... They, because they take it for granted, they don't prepare for the exam, and they're blindsided on test day because they don't know what what answers are about to be fished for. It's not a slam dunk like a lot of people think. Um, not at all, not at all. And 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 you get you get the ones who think that because they do know a lot, and then you get the ones that really just are clueless. And they really don't know what to expect, so they go in knowing, well, I'm probably not going to go, probably not going to be too successful my first time around. But I'll use this as, as a, as a, uh, an opportunity to t- uh, to prep, so to speak. Now I can come away knowing 
how to prepare for the test. And then that's not a good way to do it either. It's just wasted time, wasted effort, uh, wasted money. Just waste. It's a waste. Now you say that the most challenging part of, of this book was organizing it, laying it out as I would want it to be if I were studying it myself for my first test. That's the, I guess that's the big test uh, for you, for the book, is that it, this was, uh, as you laid this out, you thought, oh, this will really help me take the test if I were taking it the first time. Absolutely. It, it wasn't hard to remember what it was like for me and just 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 taking taking the difficulties that I had and keeping them in mind as I tried to organize this and and, and others that I've talked to over the years and the complaints of others helped me a lot in in trying to organize this with what needs to be said and in in what order because if it's just a you know if it's just a a hodgepodge of of, of organized, unorganized thoughts and and meaningless ramblings just just tossed in like a like a barrel of monkeys. Then you never know where to grab. Where's the beginning? Where's the end? So you have uh, twelve sections, and you start out with the engine compartment, and you go all the way through with suspension and brakes and the wheel and the fuel area and the underside and the real wheels and the vehicle rear, rear brakes, rear suspension, front of the vehicle, inside the cab. And then you've got some other uh, detailed chapters. Uh, this is the kind of approach that everybody needs. I think you got to know where to start with anything. Uh, for the past for the past, uh, for the past ten or so years, I've worked in in, in technology, and, and a lot of what I what I do deals with electrical circuits, and and, and sometimes uh, writing programs for computers, and, and and to there has you have to you have to take you have to look at things logically, and there, there has to be a beginning. If you're trying to troubleshoot a circuit, it's 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 best. It might not always be time effective to to start at the beginning, but oftentimes you find yourself going back to the beginning. And I, I, I this is no different. There, there has to be a beginning. And these and, and these pictures, as I've looked at them, these photos are very very clear. They they're color. They show everything that you need to see to understand what you're talking about. Thank you. That's what I was shooting for. I, I dislike drawing a negative attention to to the other publications that that, that litter the shelves, but but so many so many of the of the books that are out there, they're either they're either black and white sketches, or and in some of them may not have any anything at all. It may be a, a three hundred page book on uh, DOT rules and and regs and such. And in a, a six or eight page afterthought on the pre trip, and and I, if this is about inspecting a, a vehicle and and no having a mechanical aptitude for it, knowing that it's road ready and safe, I think it, it it warrants a little more than a six or eight page afterthought with some pathetic sketches. But couldn't I attend a trucking school, a truck driving school, and I wouldn't have to worry? You could, and I'm sure there's some good ones out there. I know there are good ones out there. 
but there's a lot of bad ones too. It's it, it's kind of it's kind of like uh, bobbing bobbing for apples blindfolded, you know, and knowing that there's some rotten ones in there, possibly more rotten ones than good ones. I'd, I'd I'd rather know which I'd rather know where the good ones are at myself. I, I don't want to taste a bad one or two before I get to the good one. Now, would you say your book replaces a, a truck driving school? I think it it certainly complements one. Uh, I I, th- I think uh, most truck uh, most truck driving schools, well, hopefully, will 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 have trucks for you to actually drive, and you can't learn that from a book. Uh, hopefully it's, it's, it's taught by an instructor who's logged a mile or two and, 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 and is a good teacher. I don't know that you could replace it, but I, I think it, it certainly complements the school. And, uh, in fact, there, there are a couple of, uh, a couple of community colleges that have, that have started using my training manual. You also say that your book would be a good refresher for the seasoned vet. I, I think it would because over time you, know, you just you, you take things for granted. The mind goes to mush. I think a lot of the the seasoned vets kind of with, with technological changes, you know, come mechanical changes too. Uh, so I think it might help them to keep up with uh, with the changes that may be happening right virtually beneath them. And and I think too it. Uh, it reminds it reminds them of of what's expected of them and, and the importance of, of of making sure that a truck is sound. Now, this 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 book wasn't written specifically for 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 safety purposes. It was actually geared more towards test purposes. But it, it certainly it, it translates, I guess you would say, to it would, it would be helpful to someone uh, who who wants to know that a truck is safe and, and road ready. You also cover air brake check, tractor coupling, the trailer, and then you even look at the straight truck class B license. Yes. It's not just a, 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 a one-size-fits-all where a CDL is concerned. I mean, depending on weight requirement and the, the type of truck you'll be driving, there are different, different licenses for different trucks and, and different... The, pre-trip would be tailored, so to speak, for, for that particular truck and or license. And the proceeds from your book are going to be donated to charity. Tell us about that. Yes. Proceeds will be donated to the BB&G Pomeranian Rescue. It's a dog rescue. If you go to my website, uh, which is www.cdlpretripinspection.com, or to the Author House website, which will which is linked to other things that are linked to me, you'll uh, you'll ultimately find a, be be led to a link for our our rescues website, and it's for for small dog rescue. It's 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 titled a, a Pomeranian rescue, but we don't rule out other possibilities. It's it's primarily a small dog rescue, and and we try to do for them what they can't do for themselves. If I could also say, uh, I'd like to uh, I'd like to thank. Uh, AMF Offshore Racing, and, and more specifically, their uh, Miss Geico Racing Team, because without them, I wouldn't have had. Uh, I've, I think I've got some really beautiful pictures, and I think they they lended a, a credibility that that would have otherwise been lacking. Well, Robert, we want to thank you for being on Author Talk, a very comprehensive and challenging book to write, and uh, I know you're very proud of it. 
thank you for having me, and, and yeah, I am. That was Robert C. Robinson. He is the author of his book, Commercial Driver's License Pre-Trip Inspection Training Manual, a no-nonsense approach to passing the CDL pre-trip inspection on the first try. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Maybe if I write a book, it will be the thing that keeps me alive. Those are the troubled words of a new 16-year-old author with her first thought-provoking book, What Gives? Published by Togi Entertainment. The author kept a diary during her dark teenage times, which turned into a 360-page suicide note with a happy ending. Texas Monthly describes teen author Chelsea Marie and her new book, What Gives?, in this provocative way. We've plunged from page to page, not because of the young diarist despondency. Depression is not especially attractive or compelling, but because we are fascinated to see that while she is fending off demons on one hand, she is writing verse with the other. What Gives is available at whatgivesbook.com and national bookstores. Readers of What Gives are giving rave reviews. All social scientists, teachers, and students should use this book as a learning tool. What Gives is available at whatgivesbook.com and national bookstores. The American Rock and Roll Countdown with Alex Price. So where were you in the 1970s? Well, this Saturday morning, we're going to flash back to the 70s as we count down the classic hits with the American Rock and Roll Countdown. You'll hear news and information and stories about the artist and what was going on during the specific week that we highlight. So be sure to join us at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time this Saturday on Toginet for the American Rock and Roll Countdown. The American Rock and Roll Countdown on Toginet. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, Bella the Witch and Her Worries, and the author is Sky Toggle. And Sky joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Sky. Yes. Hi, everybody. It's uh, Sky Toggle. I'm the author of Bella the Witch and Her Worries, which is a fictional cartoon story. Um, and I've written it in just a, a lighthearted way to enjoy it, look at how we all worry in our lives and see how a witch would worry. Well, she does worry, that's for sure. She has lots of worries, and of course, we'll talk about what happens to her because of all her worries, but I just want to read what you have written about your book. You said, we all have worries. Some people worry less than others, but other people worry till their worries become overwhelming. I want to explore this theme in an unlikely character in an, an amusing setting, so... Bella the Witch is certainly yeah. an unlikely character, and the, the illustrations make her uh, even more unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> She's amusing, I, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. I took her to an extreme. I said, let's make her have a physical problem, because she worried to the point where her life in general, she was a thinker and a worrier, and then it, it got too complicated to the point where it started to grow warts on her hands and I mean, other physical findings, and... The problem is that we sometimes have anxiety and other physical problems, too, from worries. And sure. this is a fun way to show that. And that do we need to go this far, you know? Do we need to worry so to the extent that this happens? 
And in this story, you get to follow with her and really go live through that worry with her and in a way kind of forget your own worries in the process and you kind of see, oh, well, you know, a witch is going through this and so am I and in a way we all have something in common now and it lightens our own burden and it's very, in a way, comically done and I wanted to make it very lighthearted and funny so that we could have a funny, enjoyable book to read, you know. Well, again, the illustrations are absolutely beautiful and so cre- not only creative, but very, uh, what's the word, it just kind of pinpoints her problem because when, you know, if we had a, a worry wart on our body, it wouldn't like look anything like hers, that's for sure. <laughs> hers were very, very creative, red, blue, and yellow, and of course she has green skin. I mean, what more could you want? Yeah. Of course, and the warts don't go well with her green skin. I, I had to work with the uh, illustrator, and the design of the witch herself is my own ideas. Her the way she dresses, the way her hair is, and the way she color of her green skin. And and every character there's another character in this book, and we designed. And also, the warts have their own character, <laughs> and they're multicolored and exaggerated, and it's. It's something that we don't normally see on ourselves, but it's kind of fun. It seems like such, yeah. It seems like on one of the warts I saw in an illustration, there was a face on it, <laughs> like like a little yes, lady yes. ladybug face. <laughs> he was wondering if something's growing inside, <laughs> you know. And sometimes, and then she also concerned that when is her green thumb is, uh, you know, how is her thumb? Usually, we have a green thumb when we do gardening. And she said, my thumb is turning this color, but I don't do gardening. And it was like a pun on that wording in, uh, in the book. So, uh, so how, young of, yeah. how young of yeah. a reader would enjoy this? How young? I would say a 12-year-old and above, or even 10-year-old or 10-year-old and above. Anyone who is reading already and, you know, I think first they'll appreciate just the pictures, I think. That'll take them through. But to really understand the concept of worrying, and I think the uh, uh, older adolescents or middle-aged group, so I think adults will appreciate this the most. She looks middle-aged herself. She does not look childish. Um, I made her middle-aged because I said, you know, it's parents who really deal with all this a lot, and they could explain to a child better if, if they have a child who's worried, and it would help them see themselves through a better light, too. And to make it a child worrying, I didn't find that appealing in a way because a child shouldn't worry in the sense that, in the sense that they don't have to see themselves in the book all the time. This is a, just a generic uh, witch who worries. So we don't have to have her as a child or a, a human being. She's not even a human. So I made her a general, unlikely character that doesn't place any restriction on who watches her and gets to relate to her. You know, that was the idea. If I had made her a child or an adult, extremely older person or younger child, then I think then it would be limited to those kind of people to read that story. And uh, a witch is usually middle-aged anyway. To me. <laughs> uh, well, certainly you, wanted the, certainly you wanted the reader to feel a sense of comfort that the reader is not alone in, in their worries. Absolutely. There is a comfort. And I felt writing it, I felt comfortable a comfort too and it was to comfort me you know we all have work and worries and 
And I said, finally, you know, let me write this out. I had written this a while ago, and I wanted to bring it out to other people. I think people have similar feelings in their lives. And in the end, well, you can read the story in the end, how it goes, and I will leave that out for the readers. Of course, um, when, you have a, yeah. a, when you have a real bad problem, you go to a doctor. So she went to the lo- tr- yeah. local witch doctor. Yeah. She went to get treatment, and he told her the problem, and she had to work on her problem. I don't know if I can give out the whole plot and the answer to the problem, but sometimes magic doesn't work on our problems. There and you in go. this case, it did not. No, you know, ma- magic does doesn't always work. Uh huh. Sorry. We we would like to magically fix all our problems, wouldn't we? Absolutely. Uh, we were hoping, I was thinking maybe this witch would, but then it wouldn't be fun if the witch had a magical answer. And it wouldn't be challenging anymore. And we all have to, to face the challenge ourselves, so why shouldn't the witch? And so we had to go through, had to go through, put her through the same process that we all go through, you know. The doctor did help her a bit with advice, and she had to struggle with her her worries until finally she found some some comfort in an answer in her mind, and she found that rest helped, and in the end she'll figure out that, you know, I won't give up the ending, but it's very simple. It's a simple story, and it's a funny, simple story, you know, Let's... about what we all go through every day. Let's see. Now, Bella, what would she worry about? Give us some of the things that she would worry about. Oh, you know, her her home, the cooking, the food, and how the moss is not enough on her house and the, how the house doesn't face the moon and things that we don't normally worry about, you know. Her broom. Um, so she, yeah, her broomsticks, and if they don't fly, what happens if they don't work? And <laughs> yes. Things like our cars. In a way, our cars, what if it doesn't work, and what if it's not working? Things we do every day. Go through our mental list of things. You know, do I have enough food in the house? That kind of thing. But she has eccentric worries. So, and, uh, and the kind of thing things. that you wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and you're worrying about something. Yeah, Exactly. I had to show that. We do that. Some people do that a lot more than others. And you have to kind of say, oh, I see that in myself. I do that sometimes, you know, to bring out the, the relating to the uh, character. And um, how she suddenly sees something in the morning on her foot and then how she has to surprise her and how she deals with that. It's all very funny. But in the end, we sometimes have surprises, too, and we have to deal with them and in the middle of our worries, we get another worry. So one worry is distracted by another one in this case. She has multiple worries already of her life, and now a new one from the work. And in a way, that's how life is. You have to focus on something else sometimes to fix that to get to the end, to work on other things, you know. So is this going to be a series, a series of books? I would like to. This is my first book, um... I had to do it. I felt the need to do it. And uh, if I have another theme on his similar theme, I will go for that because I would love to explore these ideas through Bella. Um, she's an interesting character. I can develop her further. Uh, this is my first story, and it's small, and I wanted to see how people would like it. But I have other more in-depth ideas for her for the next time. Do you have a website? I don't have one yet. This just, just came out in January, and I haven't haven't hired people to help me where I will. <laughs> um, 
Well, anything else you'd I, like to share with us about Bella or about this whole process that we take so well, seriously I, worrying? I would love, I would like people to give me feedback somehow. I will try to get a website up. I would love to know what they feel. If it helps them, that would be really a, a great thing. Um, you know, I would just love feedback. And uh, if they love pictures, we'll do more pictures next time. I had to focus on a lot of pictures, so I enjoyed that process. It's unusual for a new book to be all a lot of pictures. I think it helped bring in the whole idea better and show you exactly what we're talking about. And I just love to get feedback from people, so I'll have to make a website or, you know, we'll get through the radio station. And people can yes. get your book through Author House? Yes, anytime. And I'm sure other retail outlets, online outlets or other book. Yes, retail available outlet. at Barnes and Nobles and Amazon.com and other sites. Yes. Well, very good, Sky. We appreciate you telling us about your new book, Bella the Witch and Her Worries. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was Sky. That was Sky Toggles and her Thank new you. book, Bella the Witch and Her Worries.